Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Steve Chu, and we're going to talk about something that we've never talked about on this show before, which is how to target website visitors with emails. Yes, you heard me right. Someone who visits your website, you can actually send an email to if they don't provide you an email address. Now, I know it sounds kind of crazy. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to today's interview if email is an important part of your marketing strategy. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Steve Chu. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Steve Chu. If you don't know who Steve is, you got to know Steve. He's the author of the brand new book, The Family First Entrepreneur. He's also host of the My Wife Quit Her Job podcast and the website, mywifequitherjob.com, where he teaches people how to sell physical products online. Steve, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. So happy to be back, Mike. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. Today, Steve and I are going to explore how to target website visitors organically with emails. Yeah, you heard that right. How to target website visitors to your website organically with emails. But before we go there, Steve, last time you were on the show was in 2017, although we've seen each other at Social Media Marketing World and other places. So I would love to know like, what's happened since 2017. Bring us up to the present and mention the new book that you're working on as well. Yeah. So what's happened in the last six years? That's like a decade or longer in internet years, right? So first off, I grew my blog to its highest traffic levels by growing my SEO traffic over 4X. I grew a YouTube channel to over 200K subs, and I launched a new book called The Family First Entrepreneur, which teaches you how to start a thriving business with family as your priority. And I get this system down where I can run two seven-figure businesses working just 20 hours a week with minimal staff. Okay. So slow down a little bit and tell me more of the story. I want to hear a little bit more. We can, I mean, I love that high level abstract, but give me a little bit more of the story in the last few years. Yeah. So uh, which part, the book, the YouTube channel, the blog, whatever, whichever part you want to talk about. All right. Well, let's talk about the book since that's what I'm working on for this particular year. I've just found that a lot of the entrepreneurship advice that's given out there is given by single guys who have no responsibilities. So you hear about everyone who's preaching how you need to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week at a day job. I think all that stuff is false. Now, if you want to start like the next big company, like an Amazon or a Facebook, then yes, you probably need to work that hard. But if all you want to do is make a couple million bucks, 
then you can definitely do that in a short amount of time with very little staff with and spend most of your time with your family and your loved ones. That's what the book's about. So who is it for? It is for anyone who wants to achieve financial freedom. It's for anyone who doesn't like their job right now and maybe wants to try something new. Okay, Steve, we'll talk a little bit more about it at the end of the interview. But first of all, congratulations on the new book. What I'm really excited about, and I think so many of our listeners are going to be so excited about, is this concept we're going to be talking about today, which is email marketing in a way that most people are clueless about. Now, before we get into what it is and how it works and stuff, there's a big chunk of my audience that is not using email. They are focused predominantly on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, dot, 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 Facebook. What do you want to say to marketers as far as why email is still important as we're recording this in 2023? I mean, email and I would say SMS together are the best ways to build an audience that you own. And in my opinion, it should be the foundation for any business that is run. Just as an example, look what iOS 14 did to Facebook ads. Look at what could potentially happen to TikTok in the event that it gets banned. Look at how artificial intelligence could potentially devastate the SEO industry. Basically, when you put all your eggs in someone else's basket, that's risky for your business. But email and SMS is something that you will always have in order to reach out to the customer. And that's why I think it's fundamental to any business that is run. Well, and as far as your business, how has it made a difference for you? For my e-commerce store, it's about 30% of my revenue. And for my blog over at My Wife Quit Her Job, it's almost 90% of my revenue. So what do you mean by that when you say it's almost 90% of your revenue? It's directly attributable to someone who has opened an email or clicked an email that's led to a purchase. So what I hear you say is, hey, marketers, we're in a bit of a dilemma right now in the world right now with search engine traffic potentially being disintermediated by artificial intelligence likely to happen. Big bummer for bloggers like you and me. Possible banning of social platforms. Italy decided to ban TikTok, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, they banned AI. They banned AI in their country. And TikTok, I think, is like up for debate. Who knows, by the time everybody hears this, it might be not legal to use in the United States. And this means that the traditional paths of marketing seem the doors are closing. They're slamming shut in some cases, right? Or they're completely altering. But there is one technology that's been around for a really, really long time. And this technology was around before social. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's called email, right? And I think even the younger generation, still everybody has to have an email account. Whether they check their email or not, I don't know. But it certainly seems that our businesses are aligned. Email is a huge part of the revenue that we use here at Social Media Examiner. So I would echo what you're saying to anyone who's listening right now that isn't figuring out how to communicate with people over an owned media channel. And really, email is what one of the biggest, right? SMS has its unique challenges and opportunities as well, but we're not here to talk about this today. But email, I think, is a massive opportunity, and in particular in the B2C side of things. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think even for the B2B side also, it's still important as well. So why is it important um, specifically? Like, let's break down the functional why. Like, 
Cause there's still some people that are like, I, I just do everything on my mobile phone. I don't even check my email. Like maybe they don't understand what it's like for the rest of the world. Why is email so important? Okay. Let's, let's just take social media. That's what this podcast is about, right? You post something on Instagram, someone might see it and then it goes away. And it's really hard to have a call to action in an Instagram post because you can't link. You have your link in bio and you can use some chat bots these days, but still it's not a direct link, right? If you want a customer to do something that you want to do, email is by far the best way to do it. It's direct. Yeah. And what I really like about what Steve just hinted, and it's true that you can put links in your stories, but the point of the matter is that the algorithm is restricting links. For example, in my keynote at Social Media Marketing World, I revealed how only about 7% of all content on Facebook contains a link. And that's down like 53% from nine months earlier. So everything is moving towards capturing and retaining on-platform experiences with all these social platforms, right? So the idea that you're going to create some sort of an organic funnel, right, on the social platforms is nearly impossible because the likelihood of someone seeing that post again is just going to go down and down and down, right? You can do it with paid. That can cost a lot of money. But with email, obviously, if you can capture the email, you can send as many emails as you want reminders, sequences, all these kinds of advantages are made possible when you use email. And, you know, Steve, you and I are like OG email marketers, but there's a lot of people listening right now that are not email marketers. They don't understand that you can do all sorts of amazing things for free, practically free with email, right? Like just what are some of the things you can do with email that you can't do like with sequences and stuff? I mean, what's nice about email, and I'll just give you some examples on the e-commerce side here is that the level of automation is pretty amazing. So let me just give you a quick example. In our store, we sell three different types of napkins, cocktail, lunch, and dinner napkins. And with email, we can see what someone bought. And let's say someone just bought cocktail napkins, but we wanna introduce them to our matching dinner napkins. We can automate the flow in such a way that if they bought one, but not the other, we can send them an email that says, hey, we noticed you bought cocktail napkins. Did you know that we had matching dinner napkins? And all that stuff can happen automatically behind the scenes. Yeah. And to give everybody another example, if you visit one of the sales pages for one of our products, like the Social Media Marketing Society, which I believe we will be promoting by the time this interview goes live, and you're already on our email list, but you do not buy the product, we can track how many times you visit that sales page. And if you visit that sales page two times or more, we can set an automation sequence in place that says, hey, considering the Social Media Marketing Society, here's some things you might want to know. And we can send a customized sequence just to those individuals who visited that particular page. It's completely above board. And that's just the beginning of what's possible with this kind of stuff, right? Exactly. So we run a three email strategy to do exactly what you just described. So if someone puts something in their shopping cart and they don't check out, we send out an email four hours later that says, hey, we just noticed you inserted something in your cart. Why don't you come back and complete the transaction? And that first email after four hours actually converts at around 10%. We send out another email if they have not purchased it after 48 hours, something similar in terms of the verbiage, that converts at another 2.4%. And then three days later, we send out a final email that just says, complete your purchase. So all told, we recover 19% of our sales this way. And if you decide to add a coupon at the, on the last email, you can probably convert up to 30% of your visitors. The problem though, is that you can't implement this unless you have that person's email. 
Yeah, and this is a, this is a perfect transition to what we're about to talk about, right? So everything I've been talking about and Steve's been talking about assumes that you have a database of email subscribers and they're already in on your list and they've already opted in to give you their email address and you're tracking their actions inside the email and also on the website. But what do you do when you don't have that information? And that's really where we're about to go right now, right? So yes. um, let's talk about at a high level, and then we're going to break this stuff down because what we're about to talk about people sounds like magic and it sounds impossible and it might even sound illegal. Yes. Okay. But we're going to address all this stuff. Okay. We're going to address all this stuff right now. So let's start with your strategy. And if you want, you could start with a story too about how in the world you even discovered this darn thing, if it makes sense. Yeah. So just first off, I use a service that identifies and collects email addresses from your website visitors without them having to opt in. Right. And it sounds crazy and it sounds magical. And I just happened to come across this company. I think my buddy Chase Diamond actually first introduced me to the CEO. We've had Chase on the show. Yeah. And Chase is awesome. He's incredible. I was very skeptical because like you said, Mike, on the surface, it seems unethical, illegal, and you know, does it even work? I don't know which, which aspect you want to tackle first. Well, first of all, let's just describe kind of in a little bit more detail of what it is before we get into some of these questions. Sure. So let's talk about how it works, right? Because it's magic. It, it seems like magic. So it turns out that every website that you visit, including your own, has cookie and device ID encoded into it, right? So for example, if I go on Social Media Examiner, there's chances are there's a cookie there. And in that cookie, let's say it's for an email service, the email address is kind of encoded into that cookie data. And almost every website uses cookie data in some shape or form. And what this service does is it looks at the cookies and from that, it can decode an email address from it from my gigantic database. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, where does this database come from? Well, it turns out that there's all these services out there where you can give your email for free in return for something. Well, nothing's really free. Those emails actually go into this gigantic database that is actually sold to different providers where they can actually detect who you are based on this cookie data. And that's essentially how it works. Okay. So just so we're clear, what I hear you saying is that there's a good chance that a big chunk of the audience that visits your website has in the past submitted some information and the terms of service of that information, they did not review that terms of service. They didn't understand what they were doing. And that email address was sent into a data aggregator is what I'm really hearing you say, right? That is correct. And that data aggregator somehow, some way can attach that email address to your identity based on cookies. I mean, that's kind of kind of what I hear you say, right? Like somehow, some way they're taking public data, which most people think cookies are anonymized, but it sounds like what you're saying is they're not. Is that correct? I mean, they are technically anonymized unless that provider who placed that cookie on your machine sold your information to someone else. Ah, and when they sell that information, that anonymized ID gets tied to that email address is what I'm hearing you say. Correct. Okay. That's correct. And it actually happens more often than you think. 
imagine if you're a startup and you're running out of money and you have this database of users, you know, and you didn't promise that you wouldn't sell this information to someone else. You can make a lot of money with this information. Okay. So let's start with kind of like you telling how you use this today before we get into some of the technical nuances. Like I would love to hear how you're applying this and what it's actually done for you. And then we'll get into some of the nuanced questions that I'm sure is on the minds of everyone. Yeah. So I use it in a very safe manner. So when someone adds something to their shopping cart in my e-commerce store, I try to grab their email so that I can remind them in the, in the event that they don't check out to come back and finish the transaction. Now you gotta remember, these are your own visitors. It's not like a cold email. They've already visited your site, they've added something to the cart and there's purchase intent. So if you grab an email and you send them a reminder to finish the transaction, they're probably not gonna think anything of it because they know your brand already and they were about to buy from you. Okay, so let's get a little bit more detailed though. When you say I grab their email, does that mean you use the service to grab their email or does that mean you have a form where you ask for their email address? So I, I use both a form as well as the service, right? So if I don't have their email, the service will try to grab the email and put it in my database. And this service links to all the major email providers so that you can actually send them a sequence just for visiting your website. Okay. So a couple questions about this process, and this is just marketer to marketer. I have struggled in the past with a checkout form, multi-step checkout form, where I ask for an email address first, and then I complete the rest of the form. The reason I've struggled with it is in my mind, I feel like that extra question in a two-part checkout form is actually going to hurt the actual transaction. On the flip side of it, I've tried to put everything in one form. I don't know of technology that if you don't hit the submit form, it can still capture what's typed in there. Is there technology today that allows, if someone types in their email address into a single form, but they don't hit submit, it can still submit the email address? Is that something that exists? I'm pretty sure the code for that would be really easy to write. So just for everyone listening, I'm an electrical engineer, and it would pretty be, it'd be pretty easy to write that code that does exactly that, Mike. Okay. Yeah. So... This is good. And the reason I'm asking this question is because there's a lot of people who may not want to do what we're about to talk about, but might want to figure out a way to grab an email address if they don't complete the form and somehow trigger a kind of a reminder sequence. So in your particular case, Steve, what I'm hearing you say is when someone hits your checkout page, which indicates some level of intent, it's typically then that if they do not enter their email address, you are using this service, which is able, generally speaking, to capture an email address, what's the ratio, the percentage likelihood that that can happen as far as getting an email address per visit? So first off, I'm actually grabbing the email ahead of the checkout page. So if they so much as insert anything to the cart, I try to grab their email address. Okay. And, and I wait, obviously, to see if they complete the transaction. The service states that it can grab anywhere from 35 to 40% of the emails for people that visit. In practice, I found that it's around 25%. So it's not perfect. Okay. So once you grab that email address, let's say using this service, what do you do with that email address? So I send them an email. I put them on a sequence and I say something along the lines of, hey, thanks for stopping by. Uh, if you have any questions, hit reply to this email and we will answer them as quickly as possible. And if you can get them to reply, that's even better because now the deliverability is going to be good and you're establishing a conversation and they're most definitely not going to market as spam or think anything suspicious. 
Have you ever had anybody say, how'd you get my email address? I have had a couple people, but based on the percentage of emails I've gathered this way, it's like 0.01% or maybe even less than that. Okay. So you're sending them an initial email saying, thanks for stopping by. Let us know if you have any questions about, I would imagine you semi-customize it about product X or just about. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I'll have like the picture of the exact product that they have in their shopping cart. Okay. And along with a link that just says, click here to check out. And it already has everything populated, ready to go. Okay. And then if they don't respond to that email, what happens next? If they don't respond to that email, then it just goes into the abandoned cart sequence. And if they still don't do anything for that, then usually I actually remove them. So I have a policy. I, I play it really safe. So if someone doesn't open the first three emails, I immediately unsubscribe them. If they don't click on any of the first 10 emails I send them, I unsubscribe them. Because you want to play it safe, right? Because they technically did not opt in for your emails. Got it. Okay. So these particular people somehow are segmented on your list or tagged in some sort of way. Correct. So you know where they came from and you've set a series of rules in place that says like, if I send three emails and there's no opens on those emails, I'm going to automatically remove them. Obviously you, well, I'm assuming, you know, that Apple will automatically open emails and set artificial opens. Correct. So the clicks is your backup. Like if there's no clicks in 10 messages and how many emails are in your abandoned cart sequences out of curiosity? So the abandoned cart sequence is only three emails, Okay. but after that expires, they actually go into my pre-purchase sequence if they haven't purchased before. Got it. And that's a series of emails that are designed to kind of warm people up to the brand. Okay. All right. Now we're going to get into some of the big questions that I know a lot of people have. <laughs> First question is, is it above board? Is it legal to do something like this? Yeah. So it's actually only legal to use in the United States because it's not GDPR compliant, obviously. It's not CASL compliant. And it actually only returns US-based email addresses. Now, I used to think this was illegal, but if you read the fine print, it's actually not illegal to add someone to an email list in the US. You just have to have an unsubscribe link in the email and the email must have purchase intent, meaning it's like an advertisement. Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, because, you know, I'm like you, I get emails every day from people I've never opted into. And generally there's no context at all. In this particular case, I like the fact that there is some level of context, right? Like, hey, it seemed like you were ready to check out and this is just a little nudge in case you forgot and got distracted, right? If you don't want to receive these emails anymore, click here. I mean, something along those lines, right? You have a really clear opt out. Of course. Yeah. I was recently at social media marketing world and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. 
Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Okay, the next question, and again, folks, we're dealing with Steve and I are total email nerds, okay? So like, like we spent way too much time, both of us, understanding all sorts of things related to email deliverability. And there are all sorts of fascinating reputation challenges that we should probably spend a few seconds talking about so people understand. And I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about it and then you can add your thoughts. With our email service provider, we have our own dedicated IP addresses. We use Drip. We have two dedicated IP addresses. They have extremely high reputation, typically 97 to 99, which is about as high as it gets. And we were rated really, really high and we're super compliant. Like for example, after 90 days of inactivity, we send a, hey, we're about to unsubscribe. You just don't want to stay on the list. We, we keep our list clean. And we also test everything to make sure we get into the inbox. We use a bunch of tools to make sure we get into Google, Outlook, dot, 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 right? So for us, email reputation is absolutely critical. We use DMARC, we use BIMI, and some of these people are going to be like, what are you talking about? They're just acronyms, but we do it all, right? Because we know that our reputation when it comes to these email platforms is like very, very, very important. And Steve, my guess is you have a similar philosophy, right? Uh, I have a sunset sequence after 90 days where we just try to get them to click or re-opt in. Otherwise, we just take them off. It's especially important for the MSN addresses like Outlook, Yahoo, AOL, who are really strict. They actually base their deliverability more on clicks as opposed to opens. Gmail is a little bit more lenient. So the big question is, could this negatively impact the IP reputation, the, all, the, all the reputation stuff that matters so much to get into the inbox? I mean, it certainly can if you are not careful. So you have to apply this technology correctly, or you could actually shoot yourself in the foot. So first off, the service that I use, and I'll, I'll just say it, it's retention.com. It actually cross-checks all the email addresses for engagement with a third-party service before it adds it to your list. What does that mean? Uh, have you used like an email cleaner service before? No, I haven't. So the way these services work is you upload your entire list and it'll detect like spam email addresses, honeypots, and that sort of thing and clean up your list. Explain what honeypots are to people that might not know what that means. Honeypots are addresses that have been abandoned that someone like Google will use just like as a little trap. So if you end up sending that email to that email address, you get dinged. Okay, got it. So what I'm hearing you say is you're using retention.com and there are others, and I don't know if you have any names of the others. Leadpost and retention are the only two that I know of that actually do this. Leadpost.com? Yes. Okay, so use retention.com. And what I heard you say is that they are checking the deliverability of the emails before they grant you access to them. Is that what I'm hearing you say? They want, okay. They run some checks before they add the email to your list. Uh, they also verify that the email has been active in the last 30 days. Okay. And as a result of this, what's your feelings about email reputation with the service? So what's ironic about this is that the emails that I get from the service actually have higher open and click rates than the people who actually opt in on my list, which I thought was pretty odd. Let's talk about safety real quick. So I mentioned before, I only actually try to grab an email if there's purchase intent. If you just go around and try to grab the email address of anyone who's on your site, like on your blog or whatever, 
you're probably going to run into problems, right? The reason why it converts so well is because there is purchase intent. They know your site. They were about to open up their wallets. And as a result, the spam rates are low and the open and click rates are very high. Yeah. And, you know, for folks that don't have massive email lists and dedicated IPs like Steve and I do, it's really important for you to understand what can happen with these email service providers. If you're on a shared server, which most people are, and you're not paying the big bucks to have your own high-end stuff like Steve and I do, what ends up happening is you do this, let's say you use this service and you start spamming people. These email service providers are going to put you on their crappy servers, which is going to ultimately reduce the likelihood of all of your other emails ever getting into the inbox. So said another way, you could permanently shoot yourself in the foot if you're not super careful about using this in a very precise and strategic way. Would you agree with that, Steve? Absolutely. Let, let's talk about the steps if you want to go. So the safest way is what I just said. If someone adds something to their shopping cart, add it. That's probably the safest way. If you want to go one step up and try to collect more emails, you can target people who have looked at a product or inserted something in their shopping cart. If you want to collect even more emails, you can just collect emails from anyone who's visited an e-commerce page on your site. And obviously the most risky way is to just collect everyone willy-nilly. Okay. So generally speaking, if you are really careful, what I'm hearing you say, and again, folks, you have to proceed with caution with these tools. Yeah. But if what I hear you say, you're super careful about where you target these particular individuals and you're really diligent about removing them from your list, if there is no action within a certain period of time, then you are going to likely have some great benefits from it. How has this helped your sales and your revenue? Yeah, so the return on ad spend is almost 8x. Um, each email that you gather will cost you about 20 cents. Now, if you compare that to an email that you might get from Facebook, I think for my Facebook ads, I'm paying maybe five, four to $5 an email. Compare that to 20 cents and it's a no-brainer. And I would argue that these emails are much better because they're from people who have actually visited your site. Okay, so you're paying about 20 cents per email and you were saying the return on ad spend was what? What did you say it was? About 8X and that's just in the first month. But this isn't really an ad technically, right? Yeah. So this is a return on, this is a return on your service, right? You're paying, you're paying 20 cents per email and you could look at it like an ad, except it's not an ad because you're owning that email until they unsubscribe or you want to take them off the list, right? Correct. I was just about to say, so just for this interview, I kind of pulled my stats for the lifetime value of those emails and it's well over 20X. Wow. So that 8X is for the first month. That's what the service actually shows you to show that it's making gains right away. But if you look past, I've been running it for maybe eight months now. And if you look past that, the, RO, the uh, return on ads, well, it's not an ad, but the return is well over. 20. The return on investment. Yeah. So yes. th what does that equate to an actual revenue for you? And how does that compare? You don't have to say the total revenue, but like, you know, you pay 20 cents, you make what, five bucks or a couple of bucks, or what are we talking about? Uh, so my average order value is about 60 bucks. And so we're talking about five figures. A month. Okay. And as far as the way the service works, Explain how it integrates. Like, does it work with the major email service providers? So you own the email address. They're not leasing it to you. Is that correct? That is correct. They add it to your email provider and they integrate with almost all of them. 
Okay. How are they tracking the ROI though? Is there some sort of pixel that they're pushing on your yeah. site or first party data or something like that? So it's not exact. And if you want to get into the details of how it works, what you do is you insert the code on the pages that you wanted to gather emails. And you have to remember also that you're gathering your own emails on the side and you don't want to pay for the emails that you actually gathered or for those emails that you actually, for someone who actually checked out on your site. So there's actually another script that you put when you actually gather your own email and that email will not be counted in the cost. Is it safe to assume that you're not feeding the beast, if you will, by putting this on your site? Do you understand what I'm asking? That's actually a good question. There is that possibility. I actually did not ask that question. So there is that possibility that the people you're gathering could potentially be used in this database. That's what you're getting at, right? Yes, yes. Yes, I think it is possible. I have to ask that question. That's a great question. Yeah, because if it was me, I would not want every single one of my customers who purchased from me to somehow get retargeted if they'd never been in this database before. And I wonder if there's ability to kind of block that or whatever, you know? But, but I know the owner of this particular service, which is why I was even willing to give it a try. And for him, just the integrity of the emails is very important to him because all it takes is someone like someone's emails getting marked as spam which can ruin his entire service. So I would imagine that he's not selling it, but I can ask him that question. Yeah, I, I think it's a useful question someone who has a lot of traffic might want to ask, which is, is there a do not track section for certain kinds of actions or something like that? That would, that would definitely be worthy of anybody who I think would, would go to one of these services and ask this question. Yeah, Let's talk about some possible business applications here outside of your actual applications. Like I know, you know, others who are using this and let's just explore use cases and creatively right now. So people could understand how they could use something like this. Sure. I I've actually just started experimenting with this on my content site very carefully because I sell a course and I know you sell some, a bunch of digital products as well. So right now I'm just being really safe. If someone has visited my site and stayed for over 60 seconds, has actually read the blog post for over 75% of the page and who's visited multiple pages on the site and is a real human, I'll try to grab their email. And then I'll put them on a sequence that gives out my best stuff. Before you talk about that, how are you actually tracking that? Are you using Google Tag Manager to do that? Or is this a function built into the tool itself? It's not built into the, fun into the tool itself. You can use Google Tag Manager. In my case, I just wrote the code myself because I wanted very specific things just to make sure. So I'm doing a limited test right now only on my best articles that I know convert really well, just as a test. Like if you know how to quote, it's, it's the same thing as Tag Manager. Okay, so you are triggering if they visited multiple pages on the site, 75% down, at least this many seconds on the site. What kind of emails are you sending out once that happens? So I teach e-commerce. So the first email is the same thing. Thanks for stopping by. If you have any questions about e-commerce whatsoever, hit reply and I will answer them. I read every single email. That's what I'll write in the first email. And then if they don't reply or whatever, I send out my best content on e-commerce. It's only like three or four emails, but literally the best content that I have. And then I try to get them to actually opt in to what I have, which is my six-day mini course on e-commerce. I'm very quick to unsubscribe. So if they don't open the first three emails, I unsubscribe them. If they go through that first sequence of five or six emails and don't click, I unsubscribe them. For people that are like me and somebody in my audience that's not used to using paid acquisition to grow 
an email list and we've just done everything organically and I'm sure I'm not the only one is 20 cents per email considered a really good deal. Could I, would it cost me significantly more to use Google and Facebook, for example, to acquire a lead? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm still gathering emails through Facebook and it's like five bucks an email, four or five bucks an email. Got it. Okay. So what are some other applications that you've been pondering or that you've seen others do so far? We've talked about, you hit a checkout page, you decide not to buy for whatever reason. And email is a nice little reminder to get a portion of those people to come back. The other example you just mentioned is you visit a website, you're consuming some of the most valuable content that you have on the website and you opt not to get more information for whatever reason. I'm sure you're probably using pop-ups and all those kind of things on the website. Correct, yes. But for whatever reason, they did not choose to do that. Are there any other applications maybe in the e-commerce world or in the, I don't know, high-end space that you could see valuable for something like this? I mean, I think this really applies for anyone who sells anything. You start out with like the gateway drug, which is putting it on your checkout page, right? To see if you can get people there. Because if they're visiting your checkout page, they're definitely interested. And then if that works really well and your spam rates are very low, you can branch out a little bit more and do what I'm doing on the content side. If you run a membership site, you can get people who've, who've looked at a certain page. Really, it's just a tool to gather email addresses fundamentally. So any way that you're using email can be applied to this service. I'm assuming they're sending this through first party data and not third party data. So it can't be blocked on mobile devices with these blockers and all that kind of stuff. Is that generally how it works? Do you know? I believe so. I believe that's the case. Otherwise, you know, I think isn't Chrome and Firefox, aren't they all moving to, towards first party data anyway? So it wouldn't even work after a while, right? Yeah. They weren't doing yeah. That. Yeah. So, okay. Is there anything else that we need to know about targeting website visitors with emails that we haven't addressed? So I would say that you need to monitor your spam rate very carefully. Most services do not tolerate a spam rate of over 0.1%. So if you're finding that even if you're doing this on the abandoned cart and your spam rate shoots up really high, then I would probably stop using it. You, if you're going to use something like this, which where you can very easily shoot yourself in the foot, you literally have to monitor things. So how do you, what tools do you use to monitor your spam rates? Um, I just use the email provider itself. So I just look at the sequence and just see how it's doing on a per email basis. Google Postmaster Tools is also a resource that a lot of people can use. Not everybody's familiar with what it does, but since Google is probably 70% of the world's emails, you know, maybe, maybe slightly lower, they will allow you to see um, the, you know, how easy it is to report spam, for example, inside of Google, they'll show you those percentages. If you have a really high reputation, you can get away with a little bit of spam now and again, and it won't really hurt you. But I would imagine that something like this, if you're not doing it correctly, could really hurt you. Now, the message I would also be care careful in, right? Like you don't want to say, Hey, we secretly gathered your email address and we're spying <laughs> on you, right? I would imagine you want to make it sound as casual as possible. Like, hey, thanks so much for visiting our store. Just in case you forgot, here's a link to your whatever. I mean, is it that simple? It is. I mean, just thanks for stopping by. We noticed that you were looking at this product. Let me know if you have any questions about it and we're happy to answer. Just hit reply. We, we read every email and we actually do reply. Now, if you wanted to play it super safe and only send that message, and unsubscribe after like 10 days or something like that. 
Do you feel like you could still get an ROI in something like this? There's some stores, by the way, there's all these major stores that are using this service, like Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch. And some of them have implementations where the first line is literally an unsubscribe button. And if they're still using it, then I believe that even if you get them to unsubscribe right away as your first call to action, it still can provide a positive ROI. Okay, that's really fascinating. So that's a piece of data that is social proof that we didn't get until the end of the interview here, which is that major brands are starting to use this to try to increase their conversion rates on people buying directly from their websites. That's kind of a big deal. Yes. Yes. There's major companies, Tonal, Warby Parker. There's a whole list of them. Yeah. So when you set up the service, is there like an initial fee to get started or is it just a flat 20 cents per email? Uh, I don't know if the pricing has changed because I I used it when it was early. I I think he might have changed it, but I think it's a flat fee every month and then plus emails. But I think the emails that you get go towards that amount that you spend every month, I believe. Got it. Okay, Steve. Well, first of all, this has been a fascinating exploration of a relatively new kind of marketing. How long has it been around? A couple of years, maybe at most? Yeah, at most a couple of years. It's pretty new and not a lot of people I know are using it. So, oh, you know, you said earlier that it's only American email addresses that they're providing. I would imagine one other extra thing you could do is you, if your email provider will allow you to filter by time zone or country, then you could automatically remove, if you want to play it safe, you could automatically remove anyone who opted in from an IP address or a country that's outside. I mean, did you do that or you just trust the service? The service won't even return you non-US addresses. I see. So it's doing it all for you. It's all, it's doing it all for you. And to be absolutely safe, like you should literally have a completely separate list and a completely separate tag for these people. So I have one where, uh, it's just people who've opted in. I also have another list that's active people. And then I have another list active meaning they've opened and I have another list for people who've just clicked. Okay, folks, we are not advocating that this is for everyone. And it's really important that if you decide to do this, you need to really bring it up to the the power of people inside your organization to talk about the pros and cons of something like this. You may want to run a very small little trial or experiment to see whether or not it creates any kind of challenges for you, but you want to definitely proceed with caution. But the fact that there are major businesses that are using this successfully and the fact that it is completely above board and legal, as long as you don't abuse it, And they say marketers ruin everything, but let's not ruin this fellow marketers. (laughs) Steve, if people want to discover more about your brand new book, The Family First Entrepreneur, or more about the other things that you're doing, where do you want to send them? Yeah. So if you're interested in the book, go to thefamilyfirstentrepreneur.com. And I'm giving out a bunch of free bonuses just for pre-ordering the book. The first bonus is a three-day workshop on e-commerce which will walk you through a bunch of the strategies that I use for my e-commerce store. I'm also giving away a two-day workshop on content creation. I run a podcast, a blog, and a YouTube channel, and I run through all the different ways that you can make money there. I'm also giving a six-week live, what I call a family-first challenge, where I will walk you through and help you make your business more efficient. Essentially, that's what the book is about. It's about making your family a priority and running a successful business, but essentially it's about making everything more efficient. Everything that I do is systematized, automated, efficient, and that's what I hope to pass on in the book. Where do they go to get that? Thefamilyfirstentrepreneur.com. 
or you can just go to anywhere where books are sold like amazon.com and pick it up. But in order to get the bonuses, you have to fill out a form on the familyfirstentrepreneur.com website. Steve, if people want to connect with you on the socials, do you have a preferred platform that you want to send them to? And if they want to check out your other stuff, where do you want to send them? Yeah, so I'm mostly on Twitter, actually, over at, at @mywifequit. And if you want to check out some of the articles I've written about e-commerce, you can go to mywifequitterjob.com. I also run a podcast of the same name that mainly interviews people in the e-commerce space or just in the business space. And I also have a YouTube channel of the same name, My Wife Quit Her Job. Steve Chu, thank you so much for coming on and answering my litany of questions. We are so much more informed now about this brand new form of marketing because of you. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 562. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And if you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.